wherever we've gone recently, we've come across people who are crying out to God in considerable confusion. What's going on, Lord? What are you doing? Now, what's been so striking is that it's not primarily been young believers who are saying this, but rather people who've been right at the spearhead of God's kingdom work for years. Now, obviously not everyone or every fellowship is experiencing this, but having heard this cry from many people, it convinces me it's a topic worth exploring. And to do so with a particular emphasis on heeding David's urging the nation in 1 Chronicles 16, 11, to seek the Lord and his strength and to be constantly seeking his face. It was Brian Mills, an intercessory leader, who pointed me to the use of the Hebrew word bakash in that verse. There are well over 200 other occasions when it occurs in the scriptures. It means to seek, to search, or to inquire, both in the ordinary way of looking for anything missing, such as people or donkeys, right up to the whole concept of seeking the Lord himself. Now, since the vast majority of you who are listening to this talk or reading it are eager to seek the Lord and to find out what he's saying or doing in any given situation, it's really important that we make this concept of seeking God the bedrock of our lives. All the more so, as he's allowing many people's sense of direction to be deeply unsettled, which is causing so much insecurity. We seek him because he first sought us. As the psalmist says elsewhere in Psalm 27, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, do I desire, Bakash, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Look who it is that we're approaching. It's the Lord God Almighty. The thought in the Hebrew is taken from the concept of someone who's seeking an audience with a royal personage to ask for something. Whatever else we are, we must be seekers. grounded we are in the word of the Lord, the easier it should be to adopt the tried and tested response of simply committing our way to the Lord and trusting him to work things out. That's what scriptures such as Proverbs 16.3 and Psalm 37.3-5 encourage us to do. Others, more phlegmatically, take refuge in the thought that we can never hope to fully grasp God's purposes so we shouldn't be surprised when our feelings dip and dive when enough uncertainties come our way. In all probability, you'll have come across the prophetic word that the Lord is sifting and shaking his people at this time. In other words, he's allowing us to be unsettled by shaking all that can be shaken. But given that this shaking has brought many lives to what would appear to be a premature conclusion, 
It's no surprise that some of us struggle to see just how such shaking can possibly be preparing us to inherit a kingdom that cannot be shaken. I heard the Lord add an additional word to that theme recently, that he's shaking, sifting, and settling his people. Because you see, the shaking, testing, and examining is not an end in itself, it's a step on the way to the Lord settling us more deeply into a more secure relationship with himself and into the particular places and callings that he has in mind for us. Psalm 109.23 says, When we feel as though we're fading away and are being tossed about like someone sweeping aside a bug, now, there's a verse you may not have noticed before in that particular version. There's a real risk of giving in to Satan's gloom-laden assessment of matters. And it's all the more important to hold on to the promises that we read in Psalm 12, verse 6, and Isaiah 54, verse 10, which reassure us that the righteous will never be shaken, but will be remembered forever. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. I saw the Lord always before me, David said. Because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. The whole power and point of the teaching about shaking in Hebrews 12 is that it directs us to eternal realities, to this most important fact that we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. But that in turn requires us to hold a very specific attitude uppermost in our hearts, and that is to be thankful and to continue to worship God with reverence and awe. In other words, God may be sifting, shaking and unsettling us now, but it's only so that we may have the joy of being more profoundly settled in his eternal kingdom. Sometimes it can be easier to ask the Lord for specific things than to truly seek in this way, because backash requires love and devotion, as well as having particular goals in mind not to mention considerable courage and fortitude in the face of delays and even apparent rebuffs. How wonderfully that determined seeker, the Canaanite woman, demonstrated those qualities. As we read in Matthew 15, even when her utterly serious request was met with the apparent rebuff of Jesus answering her not a word, her response was not to give up and go away, but to continue to seek him spunkily and robustly until he granted her her heart's desire, which was to see her daughter delivered of her affliction. This was not the silence of indifference that she met with, but it may have been the subject of a conflict. The powers of darkness were pressing in on her demon-possessed daughter, and Jesus was checking out with his father that he had the authority to extend the blessings of faith way beyond his original remit to the Jewish people to bring faith to the Gentiles too. And so much came about 
because this woman, whose name we don't even know, had the courage to press in and seek the Lord so earnestly 